reading from the prophet Nehemiah, the 8th chapter, beginning with the verse right before the 8th chapter, or at least the last half of that verse. When the seventh month came, the people of Israel being settled in their towns, all the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and all those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Continue with verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Continuing with verse 8. So they read from the book, from the law of God, with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and all the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 14, or chapter 4, excuse me, beginning with verse 14. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free. 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I read a commentator that said that I shouldn't stop this text here, that I should read what came next, but I decided that this is where we needed to stop today. I don't know what Wright Turbeville, I don't know if he'll pick up where I'm leaving off, but maybe, you know, we'll see. I won't be with you next week. Please pray for me while I'm away. I don't fall off the boat and get eaten by an alligator. I don't want to do that. But I want to tell you something about expectations today. You know, hopes and expectations are different things. I can have a hope that might not be based in certainty, right? I can have a hope for myself, a hope for my, my family, my kid. Even hopes for you, because I have hopes for you as a church and our life together. But expectations start to be something different. Expectations start to be rooted in who we know someone to be, right? As we learn one another, we start to expect things from one another. And as we begin to trust one another, we start to expect that we can hope together. They all kind of fold into each other and we become closer and nearer to the heart of Christ together because one thing that we don't have to expect or hope for is that Christ will be with us. That's a guarantee about our life together. Y'all with me so far? Now I really feel like I need to tell you something funny. So I want to ask you, did you hear about the farmer up the road who went out to his equipment barn and found out that his new tractor was gone? Did y'all hear about that? You know what he said? Where's my tractor? That's not funny. <laughs> it wants to be funny, doesn't it? We expect something. Every last one of y'all thought about the words that you said the time you walked out to your shed and found something gone, Right? Or the time somebody stole something out of your yard. I can remember things my mama said when somebody stole this cast iron pot that was in our front yard hanging on two poles. They picked this thing up full of dirt and walked off with it. A couple of people did. She said ugly words. <laughs> and from then on, I kind of learned to expect that if something like that happened, my mama might say ugly words. Her favorite was a word that begins with S. And she liked to say it in three rapid-fire things, like blank, blank, blank. <laughs> and, I, you know, and it's, it's funny. I love that about her. I came to expect that response, you know, that if something happened that wasn't quite right, that's what she was going to say. Sometimes it meant throwing a frozen chicken, too, but it just depended. We learn expectations as we live together. And so I want to ask you a question. What do you expect to happen when you read the Bible? 
What do you expect? When you sit in your home or your workplace, or I was in the habit at one time of leaving work and going somewhere and eating by myself and reading the Bible every day at lunch, and I wonder, what did I expect to come from that engagement? I mean, this story that we have about Jesus, the reason I stopped is because I didn't want us to focus on what happens next. I want us to focus on the fact that Jesus came to church and picked up the scroll. He picked up a Bible, in a sense. And he read from it, and he was clearly expecting that something was going to happen that day in his choosing of that reading. I got to wondering, what do I expect to happen when I unfold this paper and ink? You know, this thing sitting on a shelf is just a dead object. It's sitting on your shelf, it's no more holy than Huck Finn. But don't we expect something different when we open it and our fingers touch this ink? Do we? Do we expect that something different will happen to us when we read this story than when we read the latest Stephen King novel? What do we expect when the preacher stands up and opens this and reads it into our hearing? Did you notice what Jesus said? He said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your what? In your hearing. Not just his reading. What do we expect when this is read before us? What do we expect I like it when people t- tell me, man, that sermon was awesome. Makes my head get big. Makes me feel smart. Y'all know what I mean? My hope has always been, when I think about what am I going to say about this text? What am I going to say about this God behind this text? My hope has always been that like everybody leaving that day would say, man, what an awesome God we serve. That's my hope. I don't really expect it yet because apparently I haven't quite gotten to that level of preaching. I'm trying, I'm learning, you know. But what do you expect when I start talking? It's a good question, isn't it? Because we're not just here to have a lecture. We're not just here to learn, we're here to celebrate a God who loves us so much that He sent His Son to stand in a synagogue in Nazareth. That God incarnate walked into a synagogue in Sabbath and announced the year of God's favor over God's people. I guess in some ways... I expect and hope that when I speak in this place and in this act of worship, that what I will be giving to you is the expectation that through Christ you are in God's favor. That to me is a great hope of preaching. 
that word favor there is a, it comes from a Greek word dektos, which means right. It means we're being moved to God's right hand. Remember when Jesus talked about the sheep and the goats being separated in Matthew, and he said the, the, the ones you want to be are on the right? <laughs> That's why. He's talking about reconciliation. He's talking about a time of grace, a time when God comes to move God's people back to God's self, when God decides to outdo their rebellion by outdoing it with grace. And that favor comes, and that's what they heard in that synagogue today when Jesus read this text into their hearing. Should we expect no less when we hear it read? Should we expect any less when the preacher's mouth opens? One of my prayers, you know, you you might see now that we're getting kind of out of COVID, when I stop and pray, I'm not just waiting on the candles to be lit. I'm, I'm asking God to use me for the Holy Spirit to work in you. Today I pray that you and I would be transformed by the word we would hear and sing today. Isn't that the least that we should expect? That by the power of the story that God has given to us, we will leave here different than we came. I think so. That's what was going on in Nehemiah's day. They had, they had left Babylon and come home. You've got to rebuild a temple. We've got to get work and got to fix some walls. And one of the first things they did is not develop a plan, but get together and hear the word read. To hear the word that God gave to Moses, proclaimed over them again, and to remind them of who they are. And dear ones, when we come to this place, in the midst of all the walls that are being torn down around us, in the midst of the destruction and death and hate that we see every day, right now as we worship, we worry about the free people of Ukraine. And yet we come and pray for God to build and change and transform. Because that's what God does. And so this people, after they finish their exile, they come home and they get together and they sing and they pray and they say, Amen, Amen, and worship. That's astounding, isn't it, to white churches in the South? What? They did what? (laughs) Yeah, how about that? And God met them in that. Do you hear that? They came together and heard the word and God met them and reestablished them in the place that they had been taken away from. And we come in the same way, hoping to be reestablished, to be reconciled, to be renewed, to be re-equipped for the mission that we have been given. Which brings us to Luke's story. Jesus said... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He was saying to them that day, I am the Christ. The one for whom Isaiah was looking. And then he said to them that he's there to bring good news to all who are impoverished. Whether emotionally, physically, or spiritually. We don't want to spiritualize these words. We want to hear what he said. Because He came not as a life-giving Spirit alone, but also as a body, an incarnate God. 
to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to give recovery of sight and to free people who are oppressed. This, he said, is my mission amongst you. My hope today is that we won't reduce that to talk about dying and going to heaven, but we will understand that Jesus is talking about the here and now, life here and now, just as much here and now as it was the day that Nehemiah and Ezra were rallying the people to rebuild Judea. It's just about here and now as it was then. Jesus saying these things is saying to them, I am here to change the world. I'm here to transform your lot, to release people from the power of sin and death so that people can be released from the oppression and the blindness and the hatred and the horror that sin and death bring into the world. And that, dear ones, is good news for now, not for later. It's good news for now, for who you are, for who you will be, for who your neighbor will be, for who your enemy will be, for who everyone can be. And it all began when the Son of God picked up the Word of God and read it into their hearing. What do we expect? What do we expect when the risen Christ calls us to this place to hear His Word? I want to encourage you to give up expecting to leave here the way you came. I want to challenge you to give up expecting that Jesus will confirm your beliefs. I want to challenge you to give up expecting that the Bible is safe and intended to make you feel good about your choices. Instead, I want to encourage you to accept the idea that this word is dangerous. Just as dangerous as it was the day that Jesus read it then. You hear the rest of that story later. It didn't get him applause. (laughs) This word has the power to transform you and the rest of the cosmos, much less the world. This word has that power because of the eternal word, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus said this, he wasn't just inaugurating his ministry, but as we learn in the book of Acts, he was inaugurating the ministry of the entire church. And what's at stake for the world in our expectations is whether or not we believe that we can be empowered by this Word, by the risen Christ and by the Holy Spirit to go into the world and right wrongs, to go into the world and see hearts changed by our witness, to go into the world and give relief to the poor, to go into the world and fight oppression, what to go into the world and help people see sin and death for what they are. Dear ones, if we don't expect that God can speak us to us through this word, we will never be the church that God has called us to be. Not a timid little dog on somebody's lap, but a roaring lion in the world. The body of Christ. 
who was unafraid to stand before his own people and say, this day, these promises are fulfilled in your hearing. What do we expect? Do we expect to be confirmed in our political ideals and what we hope for when we come to hear it read? Do we expect for our kingdoms to be affirmed or do we expect to be transformed and made into the kingdom of our Christ? It matters, dear ones, how you answer that question. Because just as Jesus had that mission, the words that Jesus spoke are the mission of His church. And if we don't expect to be transformed by this word, we will not be what He has called us to be. I hope that you will accept today that this book is just as dangerous as you need for it to be. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.